Welcome to Financial Advisors Say the Darndest Things. I'm your host, A.B. Ridgeway, Mr. Christian Finance himself, and my mom's favorite Christian financial advisor. And today, we have another special guest that's going to break down real estate investing, wholesaling, and why Ohana in business is so important. She'll share her experiences going from a pharmaceutical sales rep and being told she was stupid for leaving a multiple six-figure job to go out on her own. And if we're lucky, Maybe she'll be willing to share her story of being chased by a goose and walking to a house full of dog feces. Yes, even the most seemingly glamorous jobs have their downside. We'll wrap up by discussing the paradigm shift you must make to market ourselves and close with some insights into the business. And if interested, how you can take the first steps in securing your future through passive investing into the real estate market. Now, just as the disclaimer, this is not investment advice, so please do your due diligence. This episode is for educational purposes only. But now that we have the technical mumble jumbo out in the way, before we bring out our next guest, I want to share this scripture that's going to really set the tone for this episode. It comes from Philippians chapter 4, verse 4 through 13. We all say, I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. But when it comes to taking control of our future, do we really put that faith to the test? And do we even know where it comes from? If you're an entrepreneur or a, a new or even a seasoned investor for that matter, and you're scared to take the leap of faith and finally follow your dreams, I, I want you to listen to this scripture. And I want you to keep it on your heart as you listen to our next guest, because she is the living embodiment of what it means to do all things through Christ that strengthens her. Now, just a little background to the scripture, Paul had helped establish churches in Philippi and is now in jail awaiting trial under the ruler Nero. In this letter to the Philippians, he's speaking of their generosity and his own personal reflections in the city, even under these dire circumstances. As an entrepreneur and investor, you're going to go through dark periods. But Paul reminds us that even during these times, there is a way we must carry ourselves if we're going to be successful in reads. Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be apparent to all. The Lord is near. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Jesus Christ. And finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, Whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think on these things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. And he goes on in verse 11, I am not saying this out of need, for I have learned to be content regardless of my circumstances. I know how to live humbly and I know how to abound. I'm accustomed to any and every situation, to be filled and being hungry, to having plenty and having need. I can do all things that Christ who strengthens me. Now, yes, the, your mentality is important. And we'll discuss that because so many investors have the wrong mentality of getting rich quick. But once you have the right mentality, the right process, and the right mentors, it is time to act. Because as the scripture says, once you are content, send your request to God rejoice and practice what you learn, then that is when the God of peace will be with you. 
Ladies and gentlemen, our next guest has been a real estate investor for the past four years. She left a successful pharmaceutical sales career in 2019 after 18 years in corporate America to enter active real estate investing full time. She's made multiple six figures the year she quit her job. She soon discovered passive real estate investing and fell in love. Angie has made well over six figures in the past four years by investing passively in real estate. Working on her mindset and limiting beliefs allowed her to catapult to success as a real estate entrepreneur very quickly. Angie now lives the life she has dreamed of. She runs multiple successful businesses while growing her wealth and enjoying the freedom of time. She makes more money and impacts more lives than she ever imagined, and she is now helping others do the same. And today, we have the honor of speaking with her, the owner of Ohana Investment Partners. Please, let us welcome Angie Hakeem. How are you doing, Angie? Hey, great. Thank you so much for having me. It is a blessing and an honor to be here. Thank you. Thank you so much. I, like I said, I really am glad that you're here, that we get to share this space um, and you get to feel it because I, I honestly felt that, you know, the scripture that we brought up earlier is really the journey of the entrepreneur. And we don't think about that because we think of Paul in the jail, right? To the people. But, you know, your journey is very similar to this, right? You, you're having this, this moment that, okay, do I take this leap of faith? Do I go out on my own? Am I okay with starting at zero? Um, and, and Paul says that, hey, I've had a lot, which you have. I've had nothing. I've started over from scratch. But that's okay because I have the strength and I think it's going to relate to a lot of people out here that has that fear. You know, even um, I'll say this last point, even in stoicism, you know, they say, you know, dress in raggedy clothes for a month. It's like, is this the poverty that you feared? Was it just having a hole in your shirt that you feared so much? Right. So so let the people know who you are. They've heard enough of me. I'm a, I'm a step back, guys. Um, we're going to let Angie speak. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Let us know about Ohana Investment Partners and we'll go from there. Absolutely. Um, so again, I'm Angie Aki. I am the owner and founder of Ohana Investment Partners. Um, I am so happy to be here. Uh, my journey, like Elijah one mentioned, is fr coming from pharmaceutical sales. And I, quite frankly, was really good at it. And I did very well. I actually ended up, I hit President's Club. And for those of you that may not be in sales, it's like the the pinnacle of sales success in a corporation. So I hit President's Club. I went on a great trip. It was still one of my favorite vacations. We went somewhere in Mexico to the Four Seasons. It was like the best. I mean, it was amazing. And then I quit the next July. So it was awesome. It was like Mike drop. Um, so I quit the next July and I had people literally, you know, as previously mentioned, I had someone look at me that was on my team and said, I can't believe you are leaving pharmaceutical sales. That is basically stupid. She called me stupid. Not, not really in so many words. Um, but I can't believe you're doing that. You are, she said to me, you are never going to make as much money as you're making now. And I was like, oh yeah watch, watch this. Right. Um, but the way that I got there and the reason I left in the first place was number one, I didn't have a passion for pharmaceutical sales and it was, I did everything that you quote unquote, you're raised to do or society tells you to do. I went to college, I get a good job, climb the corporate rat ladder, got married, had a son, all of which I love, right? I love my family to just beyond means. But I still had what felt like an itch I couldn't scratch. 
That's probably the best way I can explain it. And then as I started poking around real estate investing and got into a mentorship program while I was still working full time, I went, oh my gosh, I didn't know I could work for myself. This is amazing. And I tried some things and I uncovered wholesaling. And so we'll walk through wholesaling um, in a little bit, but wholesaling is what I believe to be the fastest path to cash in real estate investing. And I had a multiple six figure income to replace but I felt like I wanted to go out and start my own business. I felt like I was led to do that. I felt like God was telling me to do that. And every time I felt like that, I would sit, I have a morning routine. If you've read Miracle Morning, I have a morning routine. God is a very significant part of that. And I would sit there and pray, okay, God, if you want me to quit my job and go into wholesaling full time, please send me a sign, you know, and then I'd see it. Or then it would be, okay, God, this is what I'm going to do. So, you know, let me know if this is, if I shouldn't quit, right? right <laughs> and it's this right, right. game we play with him, which is, you know, it's, um, my pastor called it on Sunday. It's like the, um, what is it? Like the slot machine, Jesus. Right, right. It's like, oh, if you do this right. And so I was, I was doing that going, hey, show me a sign. And every time it was, I felt nudged and like, he's like, no, I want you to go do this. No. And I was like, no, no, wait, but I just need one more sign. And then he's like, really, really. And so leaving that multiple six-figure job was literally and figuratively the biggest leap of faith I have ever taken in my life. And it has served me, my family and others so well and has led me to where I am today. And I'm still working on being a better person, on being a better follower of Christ on all of that. But this, it started me out on my journey. Amen. Amen. So I took, yeah, it, right. We're all, we're all a work in progress. And you know, my prayer every morning is Lord, please help me to become the woman that you have created me to be because yes. there's still so much work to do. But so I, I got into wholesaling. I built a successful business, made more money than I did in pharmaceutical sales. And then I kind of had an aha moment one day. It's funny how he works like that. And I was <laughs> like, well, I've built a business I don't like. And isn't really aligning with, with some of my beliefs and values and mm. not what I want for, for my family life. And, and so I had a conversation with my husband, who is my biggest cheerleader. God love him. And he was like, well, if you don't like it, do something else. Right. Shut it down. And I looked at him and I, I went, I'm, I'm sorry, what? And he's <laughs> like, just shut it down. Shut it down. He's like, the reality is, do we, do we really need it? Are we depending on that? No, we're blessed enough that we're not. So put it down, create something you love. And I will forever be grateful for him for that. And then I prayed about it and thought, and I was like, all right, here we go again. So then <laughs> tore it down and started again at ground zero. Yes. And so that, that's when I started Ohana Investment Partners. And I started it with a vision of bringing a group of passive real estate investors together in a community to passively invest in real estate. Because I believe if we get money in the hands of the right, we can do amazing things. A huge ripple effect by affecting one person, which affects one per- one family, which affects one community. And it just grows from there. So, yes. so that is my goal. That is my mission. 
That is why I chose Ohana Investment Partners. Ohana means family. It is a Hawaiian word. My husband's family, his father is from Hawaii. We like to embrace the Hawaiian mentality. Um, but so much of it is community. And we really can do amazing things together. He uh, so. hit on some, some really great points. And I kind of want to break down just a little bit of it because, um, you know, I don't want some of those people out there to overlook some of the the gems that you actually dropped out there. One thing is a, a framework that I talk about all the time um, on my newsletter, cheap plug, go, go sign up for my uh, <laughs> my newsletter. But we talk about the four the four steps of a successful life. We, we talk about the start, which God gives us. We talk about sustaining. Then we talked about optimizing and then we pass, right? That's the day God calls us back to the uh, back home. Now we spend most of our time sustaining and optimizing. And that's what you did. It's like, Hey, I'm starting this business. I'm building it. This is not what I really want to be. You know, some people are afraid of slow growth, but they're in such a rush to grow their business. They're growing the wrong type of business, right? So instead of growing the the core audiences that are, you're really going to reach and you're going to engage with that you can impact the best it's money. And you're, you're a prime example that money is not everything. You've had the multiple six-figure jobs. You've had the lifestyle that, you know, people dream of. You, you've been on the vacations and you're back to tell people, like, listen, this is not what you're going to sacrifice your whole life. Luckily for you, you found it out early as opposed to when you're 60 and you're 70 years old and you're like, what did I do with my life? Like, why did I do this just for the money? So um, I, I really want my listeners to really understand that you're going to send, spend a majority of your time sustaining and optimizing your life. And that's what I get from Angie. She's continuously sustaining it, which is making sure money is coming in, that she is doing the work, but she's optimizing her systems, her, her marketing, you know, her, her clients, who she's her ideal client, who she serves and who can she impact? Well, she said that it's going to be a ripple effect. She affects one person that affects one family that affects one community. Well, in order to affect the community in the right way, you have to affect the right person. And that's what we're going to talk about more. So can you talk about your ideal client? So people who are listening, there's there's a broad range of investors. You know, sometimes it may be single homes. Some people may invest in apartments. Let's talk a little bit more about the assets on which they can invest in and the diversity that lies within. And not to get too granular, but in essence, it's someone that recognizes that real estate can be and should be a part of their portfolio for diversification. But, oh, by the way, they either don't have the time and effort to put into it or don't have the knowledge. So they know it, it, it should be a part of their portfolio, but don't want to do the work or can't do the work, not in a bad way at all, but they just don't have the capacity to add something else to their plate or the finances, because we're going to talk about commercial real estate. So talk about a down payment. That's a whole different world. So uh, my typical investor as someone that says that is still working full-time but wants a real estate portfolio to grow or someone that wants that passive income and real estate investing is a great has a lot of tax benefits to it so and that again my disclaimer I am not a financial advisor or a tax advisor you should speak with your financial advisor and right. your accountant or a tax professional but there are a lot of tax benefits that you can optimize within real estate investing. So that's my, that's my investor, right? You, in essence, to boil it down, you want all the benefits of real estate investing 
and you want none of the work and that's okay. Right. Um, and then we'll talk about the assets. So the assets are commercial real estate assets. So when I talk about commercial, it could be commercial um, things like storage units and storage facilities, um, industrial facilities, or it can be commercial, what we call commercial residential, like apartment buildings. It can also be commercial like short-term rental portfolios. So instead of one short-term rental, it's a portfolio of 80 plus rentals, short-term rentals. So what's great about commercial, excuse me, commercial real estate investing is that the valuation is based on numbers. It is black and white. It's based on your net operating income, income, which is basically your revenue coming in minus your expenses. That's your net operating income. And then you factor in cap rate, which I don't want to get too nitty gritty, but basically if you think of it and your net operating income really helps determine the value of your asset. So what that means is if you're raising rents 10 or $20 a month, not a month, a year, sorry, 10 and $20 a year <laughs> per, per month, right? Yeah, per month, yeah, per, per month, year, yeah, per, right? Yeah, so you're not year. raising, but it's, you're getting an extra $10 per month right. per unit that can really impact the value of the asset dramatically. It can impact it and make it worth a hundred thousand dollars more a million dollars more and little things because you have a multitude of units and the way it's valued, little things can have a huge impact on the value of the asset. Valet garbage service. If you've ever lived in an apartment, you're paying that $20 a month because <laughs> you don't want to have to take it down in the rain or the snow, depending on where you live down to the dumpster. Yeah. That's, that's not fun when you could just drop the bag right outside right, the door. Yeah. And magically it just disappears. Right. But those are ways that we can add value. It's called forced appreciation and we can add value to the asset. And by adding value to the asset, you as a passive investor in that asset benefit from that. Right. So do, do these investments come with like a perspective they can dig into or, you know, how are they going to learn about these properties? Because one thing that my listeners always know is that we, we have to read and we have to learn what we are engaging in. So, you know, when they participate, are there are they receiving, like I said, information about the property? Are they are they allowed to kind of break down um, what to look for as well, because maybe after a few turns, after a few investments, they start to realize like, you know, what, I don't really like this. How much control do they have over that portfolio? So great question. Um, I'm going to break it down a bit. Uh, part of what I do is I would say very heavy, probably 75% education because I am a believer. You should know what you're investing in. So I want you to understand how to do the due diligence to know if an offering is right for you. So I have to provide you with things like understanding, for instance, we have a sheet that's multifamily lingo or commercial real estate lingo. So you know what you're looking at. You know what an NOI is. You know why a cap rate's important. You know what asset classes are, asset types, um, what an equity multiple is. And it may sound really overwhelming, but I promise my goal and my mission is to take the overwhelm out of passive real estate investing. So I spend a lot of time educating and spending time with my investors so that they know what they're investing in because the due diligence. And like you mentioned, the due diligence is critical because right. first and foremost, and this is every investor I work with, 
I need to understand what your investing goals are, specific to real estate and overall. Because if you're looking to invest for cash flow and I roll out an offering and you get no cash flow, but you get a ton of equity at year five, that's not a good investment for you. Right. Or that may be a great investment for someone else. But the goal is for you as an investor to take control of your future because you are deciding where your investments are going into. Yeah, I, I think where your money is going. Yeah. yeah, you hit it right on the nail. Um, this show is called Financial Advisor Save the Darnest Things. And we really do encourage people to have investment portfolios um, in different things, not just stocks and bonds and, and mutual funds. And we like to say here, uh, your money, your choice. So we do encourage, you know, people to invest into real estate or maybe sometimes even invest in their own business. But the thing is, it's not about what you can invest in. Like, okay, stocks has this average or, or mutual funds has this average. It's not about the numbers. Investing is a feeling process. So we really want you to invest in what you're comfortable in and you know the risk reward ratio. You said something very interesting. I want my listeners to hear this about liquidity. So when she's talking about Hey, if you're you want cash flow, that means if you want monthly things coming in, you want your numbers to come in, and you want to go buy a new Ferrari next week. Um, if your investments is real estate, if your time horizon is five, ten years from now, because you're going to end up selling it later on, that can't be your mentality. You have to switch that mentality to fit the investment that you're investing in, and that comes from knowing where you are financially. So if you don't know where you are, you don't know how much cash flow you're going to need in the next five years. Are you going to be able to tie it up or not? You know, so let me break that down here just a little bit um, here. I'm going to ask you a, a question about liquidity. And I, okay. I want you to use this in the form of a, a client. We talk about the benefits a lot. And, and, you know, a lot of times when we're in sales, we talk about the benefits a lot. But what was the last person you told no? Because a lot of people listening like, hey, this is a great idea. I, I can do passive income. I don't have to do all this stuff. But who is this not good for? I want that person yeah. who's listening and thinking this may be good for them, yeah. you know, to, to save them a little heartache. So what was the last really, person you said no to? Really, really great question. And I do tell people no. Uh, because I sleep like a baby at night and I want to continue to sleep like a baby at right. night. And my goal, I believe this is a magical gift and it's treated our family very well. Um, but it's got to be for the right person. So to your point, just to rewind one second before we dive into that, yes. we talked about due diligence and you asked a question that I want to revisit. How much control does someone have once they're in? Yes. None. Well, just none. You don't. Um, so it's for the investor that is okay giving up the control to an expert and someone they feel comfortable with. Your job as an investor is to do your due diligence on the front end. Once you're in an investment, you are in an investment. And you can say, hey, Angie, something came up. I, I need this money and I may be able to try to get it back. There is no guarantee and I would not expect it. So to answer your question, someone that this is not right for, someone that has maybe a total of whatever the minimum may be, 25 or 50,000, let's say that's all they have saved up. That is their emergency fund. That is whatever. That's anything that they have coming up. Their retirement if, account. Their, yeah. Whatever it may be. If that's all the money they have, I don't, I don't feel comfortable for it to go into a syndication because what if something happens, let's say you have a child and that kid needs braces 
Or what if you're in a season of life and that kid's going to school, going to college, and you call and say, oh my gosh, something came up. I need that, you know, I need $30,000 of it back. I, I can't get it back for you like that. So it is, it is illiquid. So understand that. So if, if you're looking for something and you don't know what money you're going to need when, and that's all the money you have, it is not right for you. Right. If you are not okay with handing over the reins and saying, okay, I'm going to hand over because the way that this you're investing into an entity. So you have your general partners, which are your sponsors and your operators. And then you have your limited partners, which are your, your passive investors, your lenders. So as an LP, as a passive investor, you're coming in and you're saying, I trust you GP team, general partners to run the asset to run the property management. And are you going to get financial reports and updates? Absolutely. But you're not going to have control from day to day. We're not going to ask what color we should paint the buildings or how we should advertise or how we should screen the tenants. So if you are not comfortable with giving up control and you're giving up, or you're still getting a vast majority of the equity split most of the time. But if you're not comfortable with giving up that control, it's not for you. Right. I think that's a great point. You know, and, and a lot of people, the, the general contractors, they're taking all the liability on these properties um, that you're getting into. So if you think about limited partnership, you're thinking about limited liability as well. Um, so what are some multiples somebody may want to look at as far as investing uh, on that minimum? Right. So what multiple of their cash flow should they think of? You know, when let, let me give me let me take a step back here. I don't want to get ahead of myself. I don't want my listeners to confuse it being an investment that's illiquid to increasing the risk, because obviously it does increase the risk that you can't get it back. But at the same time, the same thing happens with stocks and bonds, mutual funds. If you invest into a, a stock, even though you can get your money back, you can lose a lot of money trying to get it out of the market. It, it may just be some bad timing. There may be some transaction fees that you're going to suffer. And if you're investing, you're not going to get the full benefit if you don't set your proper time horizon. You know, you can see all these uh, numbers about the stock market at 9%. The stock market averages 9%, but we know how averages work. It's, it's The stock market is usually double digits up or double digits down. So if you get scared when it fluctuates, you know, 1% or 2%, you take money out, that's going to be a problem. You're not going to get the effects of the compound interest over multiple years. And I'm hearing you say the same thing with this real estate investing. If you are trying to get your money out, that may not be a possibility. You know, going forward, there may be windows where you may possibly be able to get some of your money back. But if you are depending 100% on the ability to get things back, you're, you're this is not right for you. Um, same thing with gifting. You know, even in the, the federal government, they don't like the fact that you give a gift and you have the opportunity to take it back. If you give it to a, a trust and they're giving you all the discounts on the back end and getting it out of your state, they don't want you to have the ability to take it back. Right. So I, I, I love that point that you're making, because um, I want to um, get rid of kind of like the people who are going to kind of be like wheel kickers. Um, I know there's, that's not really a great term, but some people like to kick tires. They just want to come and they want to know. And I kind of want to get them out the room um, with this message. And I want to bring in the sincere investors who really do have a large amount of liquidity, um, don't know what to do with it. They understand their portfolio and they want to make some 
a long-term investments, uh, maybe for their future, maybe for like a potential retirement or things of that nature. So can you explain a little bit more about how you work with these investors um, and what a typical meeting would look like? So I walk into your office. I say, hey, this sounds great. Ohana Investment Partners, like lay it on me. Yeah. So um, I would sit down with you and ask you a little bit about your investing goals, right? How much money you have to invest that, that you want to invest, right? How much money do you have that's liquid? How much do you want to invest? Where do you want to invest those funds from? Because that's important too. And that, that will help me determine, you know, I work with some physicians that want to invest from cash, from their cash accounts, because they want the tax benefits and the paper losses so they can reduce their taxable income. That's very powerful. They cannot capture that and take advantage of that if they're investing from their retirement account because that gets other tax benefits, right? And you can't, you can't double dip. You can't have it both. Tax deferred, yep. Mm -hmm. Right. So it helps me to understand where you're investing from. Also, if I'm speaking to someone that is in a season of life that has young children and they say, okay, well, I'm investing and I have whatever it may be, round numbers, $400,000 to invest, but I'm going to invest all of that out of my self-directed IRA account. Then, and they recognize, they said, but I, I realize I can't touch that anyway till I'm 65 plus, right? For another 25 plus years. Then that's okay. Then, then that feels comfortable because I really want to understand what your investing goals are, how much you have to invest, where that money is coming from, who's making the investing decisions, and whether or not, for instance, if it's one of your clients, do you know, hey, should we get a Elijah one on the phone too? Do we all need to sit down and talk together? Because there is, in my opinion, there is this thought that real estate investors or syndicators, people that do what I do, can't work alongside with financial advisors. And I just, for the life of me, don't understand that because the best benefit for all of us, specifically the client, is to sit down and say, okay, client, here's what you want to do. How do we want to diversify your portfolio? And when I say we, the client, right? right? Because I love that you want them to take ownership in what they're investing in because quite frankly, I don't hear that all the time. So that's amazing. <laughs> but you know, how investor do you want to invest your portfolio? How do you see this breaking out? And how can we come together as a team to help make your financial goals achievable over and over again, right? And help to grow your wealth in the most efficient way possible. I think you made uh, it right on the nail. Uh, there's a difference, and, and my listeners know, there's a difference between a financial advisor who deals strictly with investment management. And that's what a lot of uh, people come to me confused. They go like, oh, you do stocks and bonds. I said, listen, I'm a financial planner. Investment management is only a small portion of what I do. So stocks, bonds, mutual funds, that's that's great. We could do that. That's very simple. People walk into the bank, they see this financial advisor that does the investment management, and they think that's what you know they're looking for. You're looking for a financial planner who does everything. They look at your insurance coverage. They look at your, your health care. They look at your automobile. They look at your mortgage. They look at all your finances holistically and see how when you invest in certain things, how your financial picture shifts. And just like you said, we talk about the end goal. What's the end goal? Is it building generational wealth? Are you trying to pass it on to a charity? Um, it doesn't matter. I get paid the same way. The problem with investment management most of the time, they get paid based on the amount of money that they keep in their hands. So when you invest 400000 they lose money. They don't like that. 
as a financial planner, I get paid to serve. I don't care if you are investing in real estate, you invest in your uh, business, or you invest in stocks, uh, stocks, bonds, or mutual funds, or cash, or whatever it is, because I'm your financial advisor. I'm actually advising you financially, not just focusing on investment management. So um, I think it's very important those who listen that if you are going to do something like that, do get yourself a financial planner, somebody who's going to work with other financial. She's not technically a financial advisor, but she is going to advise you on these type of investments. So I want to take a step a little further because um, I, I, I want to make this comment because talking to you, listen to some of your things, other podcasts that you've been on, and um, obviously you know what you're talking about, but your mind shift, um, it really impressed me because the content that I put out, um, the podcast that I talk about, my listeners understand mindset. And I was very impressed about how you made that mindset shift. And I want to talk more about that hour power that you have, where you talked about the limiting beliefs and how you had to get those off your shoulder so you can blossom into the person that you are today. And that's no play on the words because you have a flower in your, uh, <laughs> in your, uh, in your logo. Mindset is second to faith, right? So God first, everything else should come second. Um, mindset is, I would say the second foundation or the second most important foundation that you can set for yourself. Um, it is, I spend now it's, I swear my mornings are getting longer and longer, but I love my mornings. I now spend an hour and a half. So I started waking up a little earlier so I can have that hour and a half and I spend time. It's all on my mindset. It is mindset it is bible study it is devotion it is affirmations visualization um i'm reading the bible i am reading this book uh, you can be prosperous too or you too can be prosperous um it's a great book and it really has helped me understand that god wants me to be prosperous god wants me to have things and money and that's okay and so I had to unlearn some things I felt like I learned growing up. Um, but that's been really impactful for me to understand that and embrace that God's peace and prosperity is all around me. And that prosperity may look, it may not be money. It may be impacting people's lives. Now I feel like God is also saying, hey, I want you to launch this women's empowerment pillar, for lack of a better term. And is it scary? Yes. Do I have to pour a lot of money into it to get it going? Yes. I hired a mentor. She's not cheap either. But I feel like it's something I'm led to do. And it's scary. But I'm pushing through that fear because I know that that's what God wants me to do. And I know he will provide. And what I'm working through is understanding I have to take that leap of faith, knowing he will provide that provision rather than waiting for the provision first, which, you know, that's what we want to do as humans, right? God, show me you're going to provide and then I'll take the step. Well, no, he wants it the other way around. So I've been working on that mindset and just believing in faith that he will provide, that I am stepping out in faith and he will provide. Um, but I spend a ton of time on my mindset. Anytime I'm driving in the car, I listen to audiobooks all the time, always on mindset or business. Um, so it, it, it's a really important part of my life. Crushing my limiting beliefs has been, you know, has been really important for me. And the way I've done that is by sitting down with people that I see as successful, 
say whatever that limiting belief is, if it's something financially or something that they're rolling out. Um, so for instance, the mentor I hired, I said, I want to understand how you rolled this out. Show me numbers. Show me how many people you're impacting. Show me what you're doing. Basically open up your books. And she did. I had a limiting belief when I left pharmaceutical sales because someone told me I was never going to make as much money. So I went, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm never going to, this is crazy, right? And so I sat down with someone that was in real estate investing as a full-time career, as an entrepreneur. And I said, I'm really trying to, to overcome this. Can you show me, are you making more than $250,000 a year? Can you show me, open your book, show me exactly how you're doing that every year. Help me understand that. And you will be amazed when you call someone or you reach out to someone and say, hey, I have this limiting belief. It's X, Y, Z. I'm trying to overcome that limiting belief. It would really help me if you would do X, Y, Z. You'll be amazed that that person you're asking, I've never had someone tell me no. Because people want to help other people. So overcoming those limiting beliefs and stepping out in faith is so critical and so important. And I almost don't recognize the person I was four years ago. Wow. So yeah. you're, I'm, I'm assuming your circle of friends has changed. Your, when your mindset changed, I'm telling you, you know, you, you'll start cutting away the dead fruit. You know, Jesus mm -hmm. kind of talks about that, cutting away the dead um, vines and things of that nature. So the, the fruit can actually grow. You, you hit something really great. You have a lot of great information. And, and my, my, my listeners know this, that I, I won't let nothing get past me, <laughs> but uh, one in Proverbs, it talks about um, those who have mentors will fail. Those with many advisors will be successful. Right. So to, to that gist, so you can look it up in Proverbs, but um, you're getting these mentors. Um, there's a book by Scott Young called ultra learner. Um, there is a, a, a chapter in there called directness. And that's exactly what you did. He's like, I'm going to just go directly to what I'm trying to accomplish. None of this trying to like people's stuff for six and seven months and pick up little posts and then send a little email of thanks. He's like, you went directly to the source and said, this is what I'm looking for. This is what I want. Is this going to work out or not? And you're, you're, you're seeing that you're blossoming to something very beautiful. Um, another thing I want to talk about too, is that you're not just thinking about it, you're actually doing um, I have another podcast that I'm going to be launching later this year. It's called Retiring on Faith. And one thing that I talk about on that podcast is the fact that with more facts, the less faith that you need. And a lot of people are like, what do you mean? You should always have faith. I said, listen, if there's a piece of paper on the ground, I don't need to get on my knees and pray that it moves. You know, I don't need to ask God to remove this piece of paper off of the ground. I have enough facts. I have my hands. I have my legs. I know where it's at. I know where the trash is. I can pick it up and I can carry it on. Same thing with retiring. The more facts you know about how much your income is going to be, uh, what the projections are going to be as far as inflation are concerned, uh, what are some of the criteria, as you said before, you go through this interview process, what are your goals, can we match this with the resources that we have, how far in the future are we going, all those are very important questions to answer, but the more facts we have about social security ages, when can you withdraw out of retirement account, 59 and a half, when is your um, required minimum distribution at 72, right, so having these facts, you don't need faith. Am, am I going to make it? You know, am I going to have enough? I said, nobody walks into the supermarket with a hundred dollars in their wallet and says, I hope I can afford a bag of Cheetos. They don't, they don't, they don't pray for things like that. Right. I love that analogy. Right. That's People, yeah. But they have the facts. I have the money. I know how much it costs. I know I can do that. I don't need God's intervention. Now we, we do want God in our life, but the thing is 
So I, I tell people, take the pressure off of God, you know, go and learn, you know, go into your Bible and study these principles that you're talking about. They're straight from the Bible. If we just dig into them, the work in the real world, the reason people are successful in the real world, because they're using biblical principles that they don't even know. And it's right there in front of you. And it's some, and some of your coffee tables is full of dust, right? And you want to know how can you get rich and how can you be prosperous? Like Angie, open it up, read it, listen to what she's saying, because it's, it sounds simple because it is, we make it difficult. Our own, our own uh, apprehensions about life is, is stopping us from being prosperous. She's saying that you can do this. So speaking of challenges, I do want to make this comment here. If, if you don't mind me asking here, Andy Andrews out of Maple, Florida, he's a certified financial planner with Heritage Financial Consultant. We talked about financial planners earlier. And some of the challenges his clients are facing are these interest rates. And he usually gives these quarterly presentations, just like like you do on the Secure Act, other topics impacting financial lives of the families that he serves. And I think interest rates may be the next one on the list, right? And I mean, we all, let's put it this way. We all know that interest rates have been artificially low for a long time. So long, as a matter of fact, we kind of think it's a new normal. So how are you approaching this challenge in your own business now? It affects us differently than it would affect an individual, right? Because we're not, you know, but we're still going out to buy assets, but we're buying a larger asset and commercial loans and commercial lending is very different. It's almost like a different beast than residential. So um, let me just clarify with that. What, um, you know, and there's different ways to look at it, um, different ways to combat the interest rates. A lot of the lending and commercial lending that is done a lot of it is really relationship-based, excuse me. So it's based on relationships and working with that lender and negotiating with the lender. It's also based on the asset. So it's based on financials. So they're looking at lending. They're looking to make sure the DSCR, which is the debt service coverage ratio, for, so to boil it down, to make sure the asset can more than pay for itself. The asset, if you're, you're getting a loan on an apartment building, that asset should pay for itself plus 0.25, right? Plus 25%. Or now they're looking for 1.3 or 1.4. So it looks a little bit different. Um, interest rates, we can buy something called an interest rate cap. It's an insurance to max out the interest rate. So if we don't know what interest rates are doing, and we don't know what interest rates are doing because they just went up yet again, right? Yep. So the most recent offering that we had, there is an interest rate cap at 4.75, which is below the, so what we call the SOFR, below the it, typical interest rate. I'm trying to not get it's okay. too high level. Financial um, advisors say the darndest things, don't they? There, there you go, right? <laughs> um, so 4.75%, that's a really low interest rate. Mm. That's our interest rate cap. That's the insurance we bought. Is it expensive? Yes, it is. But our goal, my goal is to sit down with my investors and you ask what these conversations look like and say, here's an offering. Let me talk to you and show you how we are protecting your investment. Here's how we are mitigating your risk as an investor and protecting your capital. Right. Because not only is your investment protected and backed by a physical asset in real estate, but you also want to know what is the if the minimum DSCR is 1.25 or 1.3, if we're looking at it and underwriting at a 1.5, right. 
that's great. What is the occupancy? Can we sustain, one of them recently could sustain a 50% occupancy for the whole hold time. Is that gonna happen? No, but that's what we call conservative underwriting right. to make sure because it is our responsibility and no matter whether you're investing you know, through an offering that I roll out or you're working with Elijah one or anyone else, you know, make sure that you're doing your due diligence and working with people. It is our responsibility to make sure your investment is protected, but no one cares about your money as much as you do. Yes, that's right. Those are great questions to ask. How is my investment protected? What are you doing? Look for conservative underwriting and look for proof to your point, look for facts. So you're not investing based on, Oh, faith, right? Oh, I hope that going to work out right no you're investing and you're being a good steward of the financial gifts god has provided you with saying okay i've done the due diligence i see how this investment is protected and it's an investment there's a risk in everything but now i can move forward yes and just to rewind uh elijah when one of the things you mentioned that i love uh was you know with illiquidity that some people may see that as a negative thing but some investors, the reality is it may protect some investors from themselves Yes, because we all know with stocks, right? You, you are supposed to buy low and sell high, but the reality is what do people do? They buy high when it's up and they yep. sell low because sell. They're, they're, you know, freaking out for lack of better term. And I'm gonna help you so, out here. I'm gonna, I'm gonna interrupt you real quick. I'm, yeah, I'm yeah. actually going to help you out a little bit here as well. Sometimes okay. that can, that can actually protect you from other investors. Because what we see, like the perception of a stock is usually about the perception of, you know, the the community at large, right? If people think that the stock is going to go down, the value is going to drop as well. Mm-hmm. But if you have investors and they all know it's going to be illiquid and they know the cash is going to be there, that's going to be fine. So, you know, if the market goes down next year, that everybody's not going to try to get out of the investment right. and then your investment is going to drop rock bottom. It's protecting you. Same thing with insurance. They say, they say. Uh, insurance wouldn't be so expensive if people didn't have so many claims, right? Um, but you know, if you get a group of people who are responsible, who drive with their seatbelt, they drive the speed limit, they're not, you know, buying these, you know, Lamborghinis and everything with dual engines and all this other stuff and street racing, then our insurance wouldn't be so high. So this may be a benefit for your investors as well to say, listen, the people that are getting these investments, they know the money's going to be there. They're serious investors. They're not going to just you know, liquidated after year one or two and everything is going to fall apart. Um, there, there are some risk. And I'm going to say this one little piece, I'll let you continue here. Um, my listeners, once again, I love to address them because they're always listening to me, but there's a difference between risk tolerance and risk capacity. Risk tolerance is when you walk into an office and you go, I'm ready. I want to invest, even if it's all my money. That's risk tolerance. You may have a high risk tolerance, but you don't have a high risk capacity. That means how much money can you risk or afford to lose. And that's what Angie is talking about here. You have to have a high risk capacity, meaning you have to have the liquid money. You have to understand that you can invest this money. You can still function. You can still love your kids. You can still go on vacation. You can still pay for those braces. You can still have those cars. That's risk capacity. If your risk capacity is low, this is not for you. You know, if you're you're razor thin margins of you know, if you lose your job, you're going to be homeless. This is not an investment for you. But if you have a large risk capacity, a good risk, high risk tolerance, and you're saying this is going to benefit for me and other high value investors, then we're ready to go. Because we talk about this all the time, assets. You know, a lot of people's like, how do I get into investing? You know, how do I participate without being hands-on? 
Well, Angie's telling you right now how you can be a passive investor, still reap the benefits of being a limited partner, and still grow your portfolio and a well-balanced portfolio. But if you don't know your left from right, this this is not going to work for you. So um, I'm going to let you continue. Go ahead, uh, Angie. I'm so sorry. I just want to make sure I, I made that. No, I, I think that was <laughs> I think that was a great, great way to summarize it. It okay. is. You know, it's important that that you recognize that and you know what you have. And it's like any investment, right? If yes. And do we expect it to be gone tomorrow? Absolutely not. But are you still going to be able to sustain yourself and your family yes. if something goes, something goes terribly wrong, wrong or sideways? Terribly right? go, if something um, terribly goes wrong, because yeah. that's what we want to do. We want to look for the the, the yeah. worst. Now, I did promise the duck story. So we're, oh, running yeah. out, we're running close okay. on time. I want to make sure I get to the duck story okay. because I think it's very important to understand that we talk about all the good. We're talking about the money. We're talking about the lifestyle. We talked about the trips, but I want to talk about what it takes to make it. So Okay. And we're going to talk about Goosey. Yeah, we're going to talk about Goosey. Goosey. Okay. So I was wholesaling and I I don't know exactly when this was, but I remember this like it was yesterday. So if you're not familiar with wholesaling, typically um, you're getting a, a house. This is single family houses. Typically you're getting a house. It's either a distressed property or a distressed situation because those houses you're getting maybe 60 or 70 cents on the dollar. So you're getting them well below market value. There is a reason you're getting them well below market value. So I go out to meet with a seller to look at our house and it's in a great area. I'm located in Orlando. It's in East Orlando, great area. Okay, let's go. So I roll up and this thing looks pretty run down, which is pretty normal, so not a big deal. So I get out <laughs> and I, I walk in, I meet, and first of all, I get out, I park, I don't even know where, and I, I smell this stench. Mm. I'm like, oh, this, this doesn't seem great. So I'm like, well, let me, and I had learned at this point, I'm like, let me change my shoes. I don't know, right? So you live and you learn. Let me change my shoes. So I open the trunk. I put on my different shoes, which don't even match my outfit. I don't even care because I know something is going to be just not great. So I walk in. There are so many dogs and puppies and whatnot in this house that has no electricity. Zero. They're in, I don't know if they were breeding them or if they were all their dogs. I don't know. There were little pins, some were out of the pins, some were in the pins. I don't know. There, as you mentioned, there were feces everywhere. Like you couldn't, you know, this, the like tiptoe dance that you could maybe <laughs> try to do to dance around it. We can go there to somebody's no, house and you just try not to be rude. <laughs> yeah, there was no tiptoeing. There was zero, zero tiptoeing. So I'm just walking in dried up poop, really. Mm, in wow. So fun. So this house is kind of like a compound. Um, it was really awkward. And so we're walking through the property and we go to the back and they had built some other very strange part of their house on. And so then there's a goose when we come out. I'm like, oh, there's a goose. I don't know. And he kind of like squawking at me or whatever they do. And I'm like, I don't know about this goose. And she's like, oh no, Goosey's fine. I'm like, he, he's kind of chasing me a little. She's like, oh no, no, Goosey's fine. Don't worry. Let me get him. So she picks up Goosey and Goosey, because he's a terror, totally bites her lip and is like, man. So all of a sudden and pulls back 
And she's like, oh, no, Goosey. And she's bleeding. <laughs> so she's like bleeding. And, and so she puts Goosey down to, like, clean herself. She's like, no, he's okay. So then the stinking goose starts chasing me after he's already picked this woman's lip starts chasing me i'm screaming like a lunatic i had my purse with me thankfully because i was taking pictures and videos i threw my purse at the goose and i don't even know i think she corralled him i don't even know what she did with him but it was i am scared of geese now I don't even want to see a goose or anything, <laughs> nothing. I am, I discriminate against geese. I'm sorry, but I had, a, I had a bad situation. But that is, you know, and we ended up not buying the house because right. they wanted an unrealistic number. So I ruined a pair of shoes and got chased by a goose all for nothing. But that's, that's part of it. That is part of the glamour of being a real estate investor. So this too can be you if you're listening, if you want to be an active investor, or you can say, you know what, I don't want to be chased by a goose. I'm going to go the passive route, which I recommend. Exactly. Exactly. And I just, like I said, I want them to hear that story because, you know, you know, I don't want them to get caught up. And, you know, like I said, the glitz and the glamour and things of that nature, that there are some real things that you have to go through. There are some challenges that you're going to have to face um, in this life. Um, so, you know, as, as we kind of wrap up, we're, we're approaching toward the, the end of the hour. Um, I am very grateful for you to come on to the show and, and all the things that you're saying. So how can these people connect with you that are listening? They're very excited, obviously, about what you're bringing, um, what you're doing. How do they connect with you? So the best way is through my website. You can go to ohanainvestmentpartners.com. And there you will find a bunch of resources. You'll find articles. I host events, some in person, some virtual. And then if you're interested in receiving passive investing offerings, there is an invest um, at the top toolbar. You'll see invest. If you click invest, then you can sign up to receive my passive investing offerings. I will tell you as a reminder, there's no, there's not a fee to receive those. There's no obligation. There's no, I'm not, there's no pressure. There's no hard sell anything. As part of that process, um, once you sign up as an interested investor, and that's truly what it is, you're saying, you're raising your hand saying, yes, I'm interested in possibly investing passively. Then you have the opportunity to book a call with me and we'll do that. And then you'll start receiving passive investing offerings. And that, along with a lot of the education I provide, is the best way to learn what offerings are right for you or not. So even if you know, hey, I only have $10,000 saved up, this isn't for me today, that's okay. I still welcome you to sign up as an interested investor because the more offerings you see, the more uh, terminology you see, the more investor decks and webinars, you're going to get a really great understanding so when the time is right, when you have the money, you're ready to pull the trigger because sometimes these offerings fill up very quickly. The, the one where we have now, it filled up in 24 hours. It right. was so, so I want you to be ready and I want you to be educated. But yes, please go to my website, ohanainvestmentpartners.com. Um, my contact information's on there and you can find me on LinkedIn and Facebook and Instagram all under Angie Lee, the key. That's perfect. We'll be putting links in, in the description and in, in, in the posts that go out uh, to make sure that they can connect with you. And, and I love this too, because you know, I tell my clients too, you know, I can't serve everyone. Uh, I do want to appreciate you for 
building a business outside of your business, that's going to also be part of your passion for building up women um, and having that pillar that's going to be more fulfilling. So it's not just about the money. It's also about the impact to the community. So I don't want that to go under the radar. Uh, a lot of my listeners, like I said before, they's like, Elijah, when you listen to everything that person says, it's like, yeah, because if somebody's going to spend an hour of their time with me, I want to make sure that it's very valuable and that we don't overlook all the valuable information that they bring 18 plus years of experience in sales plus for some odd years in, 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 in this space. Um, you know, we are blessed to actually have you here. So as we close, I just want to say thank you to our guests. Once again, remind you that investing doesn't have to be hard. Um, if you seek out the right mentors, have the right intentions and trust in the Lord, you'll be able to do things that you have never imagined. It says in John chapter 14, verse 12 through 14, verily, truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the father and I'll do whatever you ask in my name so that the father may be glorified in the son. You may ask for anything in my name and I'll do it. So as believers, you need to stop being shy, have faith and ask for as much as you wish, as long as the Father is glorified in the Son, and it will be given unto you. Well, that is it from us. If you're looking for a financial advisor, stick around as we let you know how to reach out to us. Be sure to like this episode, comment your favorite part, and most of all, schedule some time with Angie Aki. Share this episode and allow the power of God to work through you. Until next time, I am A.B. Ridgeway, and I'll see you on the other side of your blessing.